Hi, welcome to James Miller Lifeology, where you learn to simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. My name is James Miller. I'm a licensed psychotherapist and a composer. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Let's get started. I wanted to take just a quick moment to thank you all who continually support and listen to James Miller Lifeology. I have been so blessed and honored by your continual support. I wanted to make sure that you don't miss out on anything exciting that's happening over here. So make sure you sign up for my free newsletter at jamesmillerlifeology.com. I have a great show for you today. I'm going to help you recognize why you may overreact in a conversation and how to process stressful situations. My guest today is Jonathan Yatsky, who is a therapist and public speaker. Jonathan is here today to help you process and handle stressful and painful situations your loved ones may have experienced. He'll teach you ways to be a better support to others who have painful news or who have something uncomfortable to share. For more information about Jonathan, please visit jonathanyatsky.com. I have some exciting news. Did you know that I'm on the radio three times a week? You may hear me on the same station on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m., Fridays at 9.30 a.m., and Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. You may also hear me anytime on iHeartRadio as well as on all the other major podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and many others. Simply search for the show name, James Miller Lifeology. Are you struggling today to find your purpose? Has mediocrity set in and you can't imagine doing the same thing for the rest of your life? Are your relationships struggling or you aren't sure how to make long lasting changes in your life? Then today, contact me, James Miller. I will help you recognize the areas in your life that are going really well. And then we'll look at the areas in which you are struggling. We will create actionable solutions to help you create long lasting changes in your life. You don't have to do this alone. Go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out the form and it will be sent directly to me. Don't let another day go by without finding your way. Your change can start today. Once again, go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com and click on the page, work with James. Fill out that form to get started today. Overreacting in conversations. Have you ever been talking to someone and as you say something, the response you get seems really disproportionate to what the conversation was or what you think the response should be? <laughs> Conversely, have you ever, upon reflection, realized you really overreacted or overshot what you should have or how you could have responded in a healthier way? The reason why we do that is we all engage in what's called cognitive distortions, or in other words, thinking errors. You're going to hear my guest and I talk a little bit about that. And my guest is going to give you really good tools and techniques of how to help people help others process difficult situations. But I wanted to give you a foundational piece of why we overreact and the 15 common thinking errors that we all experience. Anytime there's a conflict between people, one of us is going to use one of these thinking errors. In psychology, we teach that whatever we perceive to be true determines what we feel. What we feel determines what our body does. In other words, what our reaction is. So think of a thinking error like this. Let's say you put on a pair of glasses. Whatever the prescription is or whatever the shade of the lens is determines how you see something. It's the same type of thing with a thinking error. Whatever that lens is or whatever thinking error you use is going to taint or shift or change the perception of how you internalize something. In other words, how you process something. It's really interesting. Did you know that the antonym, or in other words, the opposite word of belief is actually truth? So think about that. If you believe something to be factual, well, according to the English dictionary, the opposite of the word belief is truth. So more than likely, your belief about a situation is probably not all that is happening. And that is usually why we have a thinking error. I actually wrote a magazine article about this. So I want you to go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com or lifeology.tv. And in the Lifeology article section, scroll down towards the bottom and you can read this article, Thinking Errors, or also put it in this show's notes. So remember, the formula is this. What you perceive to be true determines what you feel, determines how your body reacts. 
So real quickly, all 15 thinking errors are this, filtering. You take a negative detail and magnify it while filtering out all the positive aspects of a situation. The next one is black and white thinking. It's this or that. There's no gray in between. Another one is overgeneralization. You come to a general conclusion based on a single event, and that is how everything is going to be. Jumping to conclusions. We've all done that one. We automatically assume that we know exactly how this person is going to respond or what is going to happen when we don't have enough information. Catastrophizing. That is like that story of Chicken Little. The sky is falling. Everything is a catastrophe. And usually it's our worst case scenario that we live in. And the reality is that's not necessarily the case. Personalization. You believe everything that everybody does or says is about you. Control fallacies. If you feel controlled by others, unfortunately, you see yourself as a victim in pretty much every situation. Fallacy of fairness. You become resentful towards others because you see the world as that's not fair. Blaming. You hold others responsible for your pain or the outcome of your life. Shoulds. We have a list of these rules of how we think people should or ought or must respond or how they should act. The reality is we're confining people to not allow them to be who they are. Emotional reasoning. You believe that what you experience right now must be true. In other words, if you feel it, it must be true. If I feel that you have done something against me, it must be true because that is my feeling. Global labeling. This is pretty much just a form of stereotyping. You take one person who's done something in a specific group and you globalize it or you label everybody who may be similar in that group to react or be that same way. Always being right. Enough said on that one. (laughs) We know that if you always think you're right, more than likely you're wrong. Heaven's reward fallacy. This is where you expect that you've made all these sacrifices, so therefore other people should make these sacrifices towards you as well. Unfortunately, that's not how life works. So once again, I flew through those really quickly, but I want you to realize that if you have a response that seems disproportionate, in other words, think of a scale of one to 10. If 10 is the most emotionally responding and one is the least amount of emotion that you're expressing, if you respond, let's say at a level eight, but the situation warrants really only a level four, the difference between that four and eight is usually a thinking error that you're bringing into the situation and unfortunately causing chaos in that conversation. Once again, we all do this, but the reality is the more information you have, the more successful you can be to remove that thinking error, have a healthy interaction with your peers and loved ones, and that will help you really have more effective communication. You're going to hear my guest today, Jonathan Yatsky, who has a really good take on how to help people beyond the thinking errors, how to set up a conversation with others who are struggling. He'll give you some really good tools and techniques of how to help them when they too are struggling. Did you know I have a YouTube channel? That's actually how Lifeology started. I have well over 155 episodes that I've created specifically for you. I do know that many people struggle with listening to a full 30-minute show. So these episodes are about three minutes long. Each episode will give you a practical tool or technique that you can practice daily to help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. Simply go to my website, jamesmillerlifeology.com, or go to YouTube and search for my name, James Miller Lifeology. My guest today is Jonathan Yasky, who is a therapist and public speaker. Jonathan is here today to help you process and handle stressful and painful situations your loved ones may have experienced. He illuminates ways for you to be a better support to people who have painful news or have something uncomfortable to share. Welcome to my show, Jonathan. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's going to be a great show today. You are also a therapist, so this is going to be great to talk shop with another clinician. Absolutely. (laughs) You've done so many wonderful things. I know you really help people. You really empower them to find their voice. With this specific topic of just helping people help their loved ones share uncomfortable situations, what would you say is the main reason why most people really struggle with doing that? 
Well, I think the main reason why most people struggle with understanding their loved ones when they come up with something is that oftentimes the way we see our loved ones is through a filter that we already know what they're going to say. And so Mm -hmm. when that happens, we end up limiting what we can experience from them as new information because we already come from this place of knowing. So if we are able to come from a place where we don't know what we don't know, mm-hmm. and we're able to just be with them, be present, be an active listener, we are able to get much more from them because we're being receptive, not trying to predict what they're going to say or know what they're going to say before they say it. Exactly. And, you know, I think that's one thing that people who, who may know a little bit more about psychology, that is what we call a cognitive distortion or a thinking error. Right. And there's, uh, well, there's 15 different thinking errors. And so with that, that one would be called assuming. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really one of the things, yeah, that you really hit, really nailed the head is we often just think we know what's going to happen or probably we do know it's going to be said, but we don't know how to handle it. And unfortunately, we don't give our, our loved ones that space to, to feel, to, to express. And that can be very, very painful. Right. Exactly. And part of the thing that comes up when we miss understand each other or the painful ways that we listen to each other is because at the end of the day, what happens is they're already coming from a triggered place, right? So if someone's Mm -hmm. coming to you with something uncomfortable, they're already in a place where their emotions are very high. They might feel very uncomfortable. And if we are coming from a place where we're not being open and receptive to them, we're going to get, as you said, that cognitive distortion where they're going to feel unheard. And in fact, we might actually escalate where they are instead of de-escalating where they are because they won't feel heard or, or understood by us. Mm-hmm. So, of course, that would feel very invalidating to them and, you know, obviously probably create even more of a rift between people. What would you say would be one of the reasons why most people, when they hear painful news from a loved one, why they present as angry or frustrated or just it seems disproportionate to probably really how they're feeling? Mm. So if you were to look at how like if someone were to give you uncomfortable news, one of the things that might come up is, well, you know, that was shocking. That was too much to handle. And so we get trapped into our own cognitive cycle. We get trapped into a thought process where now we're trying to contemplate what was just said to us, not necessarily what we are continuing to hear. And so again, that's where misunderstandings come up. And for us as the listener, we also have filters, things that people, we hear the world through. And these are built off of our past experiences and our ways of seeing the world. And so when they come to us with information, we actually are hearing them through the filter of our past experiences. And So what they say to us might actually be a trigger to us as well because Mm -hmm. our own experiences will come up and actually start to uh, take over or sabotage our listening because now we're going, wait a minute, I remember last time this happened to me and I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So the unresolved feelings, yeah, definitely superimposes it and makes, makes it worse for everybody. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I also like to look at this as well. And I've, I've did a couple of shows on this before where, you know, we have six different primary emotions Mm -hmm. and they are, see if I remember well, angry, sad, surprised, disgusted, hatred, and fear. And so those six emotions are the basis of all emotions. But when we hear sometimes those situations, we present with anger, which is used as a secondary emotion because on the other side of that anger is that disbelief for that. I can't believe this happened to my, my loved one. Why wasn't I there? That guilt and all those feelings happen. And so it's easier to be in a defensive mode to express anger 
But that's really not what the person's also feeling on the other side. So yes, they can be triggered. And I think also additionally, they can present and with a secondary emotion where that may not be really how they're feeling, but that's what they're in that enraged state of the fight or flight because they're ready to fight whomever did something to their loved one. Exactly. Well, and another piece of that is also if you were to look at, as you said, anger, anger is a secondary emotion, as you just pointed out. And what it's like is, and this is something I teach in, in the seminars that I run, like the course, is that those emotions that we experience right then and there. It's like uh, if you were to use a gardening metaphor, it's like the top of a weed, right? So this has come up, it's sprung up, it's anger. And if I just cut the top off of that weed, it's going to come back because the roots are still there. Mm -hmm. The thing to keep in mind is that underneath that anger is a root system of past experiences, ways of seeing the world, ways that we've been treated and ways that we are about our loved ones. A lot of us are very protective of our loved ones. So when they get into a place that they're uncomfortable or they're coming with news that they don't like and they start to get emotional, we go to an already triggered place because Mm -hmm. of the root system that's under that weed. If we can actually get underneath that and pull and, and figure out, you know, like, okay, here's my anger. First of all, I have to let it out. Second, Why am I getting so angry? What about this situation is getting me angry? Is it the actual thing I'm seeing or does this go back even into my own past? If it's in my own past, then okay, where? Where did this start and what can we do about it? Mm-hmm. Because then we can pull out our anger by the roots and re-examine it. Because as you said, underneath the anger is probably another emotion, sadness, pain, upset. Because the anger is just kind of the surface level, but it's one underneath that's so rich and valuable to learn from. Yeah, exactly. And I love that analogy as well, that metaphor. I I think that's a really – it makes sense for a lot of people because we all have seen weeds. Weeds always grow back (laughs) because the roots are always there. We're like, oh my God, I thought I got rid of you. But yeah, it's true. It it can often be there. What would be some of the things that you would tell my listeners as far as maybe some ways in which to slow everything down, to hear what the person's saying, and to validate their experience? Okay. So the first thing that I would say is to be an active listener, right? One of the things that I talk about in my book that I'm writing is that when we listen to someone, we only hear half of the conversation. So what we have to do is start by being an active listener. This means that we are listening, giving them our full attention. We're not checking our phone. We're not checking our, you know, our watch to see what time it is. We are focused on them. We're looking at them, eye contact, and we're just listening. We're not even necessarily even responding. We're just taking in information. So that would be, I would say, step one is to just listen actively and attentively. The second thing that I would say, and this is usually the most crucial part, is to eliminate our emotional spark. One of the things that I talk about in the seminars that I run is the emotional spark, which is when we get angry or upset or have an emotional reaction, we have like a little spark of fire that comes up in our chest. We can sometimes feel it when we're angry with that heat that comes up or when we're sad with the stinging sensation in our eyes. And when we get into that place, again, we come from our past pain, our past hurt, our past upset. And so we need to go and let out that emotional spark. That might be saying, listen, you know what? I need just a moment to go and just go in the other room and just process. Yeah, so the great thing you're really helping people understand right now is that there are appropriate ways to express one's emotionality. Mm -hmm. But when it's not done in a healthy way, unfortunately, that caused for a huge rift between people, which probably 
couldn't have been there, shouldn't have been there, or wouldn't have been there, should people have been able to really be mindful of that emotional spark that they're experiencing? Yes. Yeah. To be really mindful of that emotional spark and understand that we are, um, to use another great analogy that I use a lot, is we're like pressure cooker people. Mm-hmm. I've heard this, yeah. You know, we are, there's a baseline of tolerance that we have. And as life gives us things to work through, it throws us curveballs, gives us frustrations, upsets, worries, concerns, that pressure cooker fills up more and more and more. And eventually the pressure builds and builds and builds and builds. Now, the problem with this is, is that if we're at work and we're getting triggered by something, let's say our boss is saying or doing something we don't like, we can't just go in and yell at them and scream and throw their desks around. And we can't do that. We may feel like we want to do it, but we can't. And so when we come home, if we come home and someone tells us something that's saying, oh, you know, I have something really uncomfortable to say or, or this might be a trigger for you. We are already so full of pressure that if we don't let go of the emotional spark, we don't let off the pressure. The person who's going to get our upset and anger is not necessarily the person that triggered us. It's the person that we feel safest with. Mm -hmm. And that could Mm -hmm. be our spouse, our children, our friends, the people closest to us. Yes, I totally agree with that. Switching gears here for a second, you know, Mm because so many people have experienced so many traumatic things or so many difficult things in their life, which as we know is very uncomfortable to share with other people. What advice would you give them to kind of set up the platform of how to divulge? So I would say this, the best starting point to divulge the information you need to divulge is one, to create a space of listening with the person, right? A lot of times when someone has something uncomfortable to say, right? You know, you will sit down with them or they'll get a text or you'll say something along the lines of, oh, you know, I, we need to talk about something. The comment of we need to talk about something or, you know, I have something important to tell you can be a immediate trigger for that person. Mm -hmm. That person then creates a whole story in their mind about Mm -hmm. what you're going to talk to them about. And so the best way to do it is just say, Hey, you know what? I got something to say. It's, you know, and, and really prep them beforehand. A great way to do that would be to say, Hey, you know, like, Come over here and start talking to them about things that are going on for you that are pretty um, benign, that are pretty easy to talk about. And then just say, you know what? I've been thinking about this. This is something that's been on my mind or bugging me or or I've been feeling. Uh, to use I language, not you language. You know, I need to talk to you, which implies that they are guilty or blaming or or you know, coming forth mm-hmm. with a negative attitude and said, sure. I've been I've been feeling this way, or this has come up for me and I just wanted to share it with you. In that way, you actually prep them really well to being receptive. Another thing to say is to give them the, it could be at the beginning, could be at the middle, it could be at the end. You really have to gauge the person you're with. If you see them starting to react, say, okay, you know, I see that this is coming up for you. What's coming up? And have that dialogue, that conversation back and forth. And finally, action items. Right? Some people just go, oh, this happened. I'm going to take action. Mm-hmm. You may not want them to take action. So just simply say, you know what? I've got it handled. I just wanted to share this because mm-hmm. you're my partner. You're my friend. You're the person I love. And therefore, I wanted to share this because it's a part of my life right now. But mm-hmm. I want you to know that I'm handling it and I appreciate the support. And here's a way you can support me best. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Because that is one thing that since there are loved ones, we want to help. So I think just, like I said, piggyback off what you're saying, 
is just even direct them to say, I'm just looking for a shoulder to cry. I'm looking to vent. I'm looking for advice. I'm looking just to get this off my chest. When we can really direct them of what we need, it takes the pressure off of them to fix it because we always want to fix for someone. And when that's not what the person needs, unfortunately, when the person does, let's say, try and fix something and let's say I'm talking to them about something, I'm like, no, no, I don't need that. And that person's like, well, I'm just trying to help. And then all of a sudden, once again, there's this whole other argument that was could have been mitigated or could have been avoided should the person given the information direct the listener of what it is they specifically need. Exactly. And if, if we look at that, it's kind of uh, another great example that I use in my course is that it's like smoke signals, mm-hmm. right? The way we communicate is buffeted around. You know, we may think, okay, this is the smoke signal I'm sending to the island across the way. However, it's buffeted by the winds. And so by the time it gets up through the stratosphere and the atmosphere to be seen by the other island, it's changed because our perception and life changes the way we see things. If another person says, okay, you know, this is what I need you to do. Please do X, Y, and Z. All I need is a shoulder to cry on, someone to vent with, someone to be able to just share this experience with. I don't need you to go chasing down my boss. I don't need you to do this. (laughs) And really give them actionable items. Then they have something they can do and they know what Mm -hmm. you're asking for. And a great example of that would be, you know, if something comes up and let's say your spouse or your best friend is triggered, we might be like, well, we're going to go and, and, you know, we're going to fix this for you. But another thing to consider is that if we jump to fixing things, then the person going through it isn't actually getting Mm -hmm. any stronger. Correct. Yep. Good point. That's a very good point. And so therefore, when this situation happens again down the road, they still won't have the tools to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best thing we can do for one another is to allow others to struggle through what life is giving us, giving them the support that we can so that they get the tools, distinctions, and ways of being that when this happens, they don't have to be sucked down into negativity, depression, upset, and sadness. They go, I've done this before. I can do it again because I am not just the author, but the editor of my own life. And if it's not going the way I want, then I get to stand up. I don't need someone to come to my rescue because I am the superhero I've been waiting for. Yes. That's great. Great way to say it. And you know, everything is a stumbling block or stepping stone. And as we process the grief, because there's always a time for grief, an appropriate time of grief. Absolutely. And the other side of that is our choice to determine what we're going to do with this. Is this going to be a stumbling block or is it going to be a stepping stone? Exactly. And those stumbling blocks, we all have had experiences that have been our stumbling blocks. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that the same thing that is a stumbling block is a stepping stone and a building block. We may not be able to see it from our emotional place that we're in, but if we are able to let go of our emotional spark and change perspectives, we can change a negative situation into a positive situation. We can turn our inabilities into learning experiences where now we may not learn like everyone else, but we can find our own strength that may not be like everyone else, but it's unique to us so that we get to win in our own lives. Yeah. Great point. That's great. We unfortunately don't have just a couple more minutes, but you are currently writing a book. Tell us just a couple seconds about what that book is, is about. Okay. So um, as well as the workshops that I do, I am also, as you said, writing a book and this book is called Talk to Me. And basically what it is, is it is a 
self-help guide written through humor and stories and looking at this from a different perspective. It's actually one where people can have space to write in the lines, write in the margins. There are cartoons and things for people to engage with. And basically it goes through parts of a relationship and how to have the best relationship you can possibly have through experiential learning by taking the book mm-hmm. and going, okay, you know, here's step one. I'm going to go, I'm going to try this out, see if it works for me. I'm going to write down what it is coming up and I'm going to work step by step to get past whatever life is throwing at me. It, what I wanted to do with this book is take it from just an idea right? You know, like uh, that we hear and, you know, in one ear and out the other to something visceral that they can actually do something with where it's like, okay, this is an, this is a five-step process. This step, first step might be, you know, releasing my emotional spark. Okay. I'm going to go do that. Right. And then walking through step-by-step to actually get the relationship they've always wanted to manifest the life that they've always dreamed they could have. Because the truth is, is that we, through our own filters, just like the people we have, you know, who have seen and going through this pain, we have also had painful experiences. Mm -hmm. And if we can get past the filters and toxic stories that we tell ourselves that say, we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, you know, that person's never going to be interested in us. You know, I'm too shy. If we can actually have tools to move past that so that those stumbling stones can be building blocks, we can become way stronger and way more powerful in our own lives. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I can't wait. We'll definitely have to have you back to talk more about that book. If my listeners would like to find out more information about you and all the amazing things you do in your workshops and Mm -hmm. perhaps even work with you, where would they find this information online? So you can find my information at jonathanyatsky.com or at unlockingme.com for the course that I run. Um, and that has that course is three-day-long workshop that takes over the place of a weekend. And it also has relationship seminars and individual seminars that give people specific tools to get the life they want to have. Uh, so all of my information is there. Excellent. And feel free to reach out. Excellent. Well, Jonathan, once again, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest on my show today. I really do appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for having me, and uh, it was great to be here. Thank you. I also want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you joined with us today, or please go to my website where you may sign up for my free newsletter, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, or you may enroll in the Lifeology Academy where you can take self-directed courses which will help you simplify and transform your spirit, mind, and body. If you'd like to personally work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, simply visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support and I'll talk to you soon.